Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, June 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The European Central Bank boosts its bond-buying stimulus package, and the FT's Attracta Mooney will explain how environmental, social, and governance factors, ESG, are faring during the coronavirus pandemic. But first, the FT's Andrew Edgecliffe-Johnson recounts his recent conversation with Jeremy Grantham. He'll explain why the veteran strategist has slashed his holdings in global equities. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Jeremy Grantham has quite the record. The co-founder of the Boston-based fund manager GMO has a knack for identifying market downturns. And now, after the recent bull run, Grantham says stock markets are lost in one-sided optimism. The FT's U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliffe-Johnson, spoke to Mr. Grantham this week. He has more. He just cannot see the case for them continuing to go up in a way that they've rebounded impressively from the lows they hit in March. And the as he's not just saying this, he's putting his money where his mouth is. GMO, which is the Boston-based fund manager that he co-founded back in 1977, where he's still the influential investment strategist, has now cut its net exposure to global equities in its biggest fund from 55% of the total to just 25%. But, Ed, you know, there has been a stock market rally since the end of March. Why do investors take Mr. Grantham so seriously? So, Jeremy Grantham has a very long record. He's known by many people as a perma bear for being bearish throughout the cycle. In fact, it's he's not quite as consistently bearish as that. He was very, very right in calling the upward turn in the market towards the end of the financial crisis in 2009. But he famously dumped GMO's positions in Japanese stocks before that market crashed in 1989. He bet against dot-com stocks for more than a year before they, that market turned 20 years ago. And he was early to warn about the risks in US housing before the financial crisis. So he's often been early in his warnings, but he's been right. And, you know, it's not just Mr. Grantham saying this. Hedge funds are also bracing for a second stock market plunge. And there are also a lot of factors at play, such as the uncertainty over the coronavirus recovery and protests in the U.S. against racism and police brutality. Despite all of this, markets have still been going up. But I'm wondering, Edge, could things change? So the great case for the market's rally since March has been the Fed is just throwing money at the crisis. And so investors have really been responding largely to that and also with some optimism to any scrap of uh, positive news on finding a treatment for the virus itself. But what GMO is saying is that markets are now pricing in something close to a best case scenario. And what Jeremy Grantham says is this really isn't the best case scenario. You don't just have a pandemic to deal with, but you also have have had a crisis in oil markets and the weakening of institutions. So looking at this week's police brutality and racism that people are protesting, I asked him why he thought the market had been so robust in shrugging that off. And he said, actually, historically, markets do tend to shrug off social instability. But what's different this time, he thinks, is that you just don't know which straw is going to break the camel's back You know, when a system is weak. And he thinks the US system is weak. He says the US looks to him like it's in the early stages of becoming a failed state. I don't think there are many other investors out there with quite that strong a view, but he is famously outspoken. 
And speaking of the central bank help Edge mentioned, yesterday the European Central Bank announced a 600 billion euro increase in its bond buying stimulus package in response to the coronavirus pandemic. The move to increase the ECB's pandemic emergency purchase program took the total to about one and a third trillion euros. The FT's Frankfurt bureau chief, Martin Arnold, has more. You might ask, why is the ECB buying bonds uh, in response to a deadly virus? Well, it's doing this in order to push down the financing costs for governments, for companies and for households in order to try and revitalize the economy, which has taken a massive hit. And the ECB published new forecasts on Thursday that showed a baseline forecast for an 8.7% contraction in the Eurozone economy, which would be the deepest recession uh, since the Second World War. And if I understand this correctly, Martin, it shows that the ECB, when it comes to bond buying, it's not, it's not willing to stand down despite facing pressure. Yeah, you're right. They're actually, in many ways, sounding a very defiant note because just last month, Germany's highest court issued an explosive ruling that the ECB's uh, older program of buying sovereign bonds was had breached the German constitution and ordered the Bundesbank, the German central bank, to stop buying German bonds as a result of this finding. But the, the ECB is convinced that this should not affect its activities. It should not impinge its strategy. And it showed that on Thursday by pushing ahead with a massive increase in its bond buying on this new program, which I must say was not the subject of this German court ruling, but still shows that the ECB has not had its wings clipped in any way by the German judges who seem determined to to rein it in. The ECB says it reports only to European institutions, the European Parliament, the European Court of Justice, not to national courts, and therefore it's pressing ahead And I think that investors certainly are encouraged by that. Now, Martin, this boost, what does it tell you about the ECB's motivation when it comes to bond buying in the future? So my main takeaway from Thursday's announcement by the ECB is that it's shifted its bond buying program from being an emergency temporary response to the coronavirus crisis to a longer term more standard part of its toolkit to try and stimulate inflation, to try and stimulate the economy. And that suggests to me that this emergency program is actually going to be around for a lot longer. Now, the ECB might argue that that's because the growth is going to take a long time to recover. The economy is going to take a long time to recover. It's going to take a long time to get inflation back up towards its target. But the health crisis may be long gone by the time the ECB eventually wraps up and closes down this huge bond buying program that it is in the process of ramping up at the moment. So I think Thursday's announcement will probably not be the last time that we see the ECB expand its purchase program, its asset purchase program in response to the economic challenges that Europe is facing. 
The world's biggest asset manager, BlackRock, said earlier this year that it was changing its investment approach. Chief Executive Larry Fink said the group was going to put environmental, social, and governance factors, ESG, at the heart of its strategy. It reflected a wider shift in investor focus on sustainability. But has this change in stance survived the economic devastation brought on by the pandemic? Attracta Mooney, our investment correspondent, has more. So far this year, during the kind of big sell-off that we've had, the sustainable strategies typically outperformed their non-sustainable or wider benchmark strategies. And over a longer term, that also seems to be the case. Research from Charles Stanley in the UK has found that over short term and long term, investments with an ESG focus outperformed the wider market. Now, critics, and there are critics, say that these investments are not so great for society because they tend to focus on small tech-related companies with uh, fewer employees. Is this a fair criticism, Atrecta? Notionally, it's a fair idea. If you think about employee-intense industries, they tend to be retail, which potentially have supply chain issues using foreign suppliers with maybe weaker human rights standards. A tech company with fewer staff and fewer supply chain operations has fewer of those issues. And that makes them have higher ESG scores, which means that they appear in ESG funds more regularly. That being said, there are more and more mainstream non-tech companies that are putting huge emphasis on becoming more sustainable. We saw Danone announce a push recently where it was trying to become a much more sustainable company. And as more companies move towards doing this, potentially we could see more companies that have a lot of employees scoring more highly on ESG standards. And how do you think the move towards sustainable investment will be affected by the pandemic? So it is hard to tell how the pandemic will affect sustainable investing. But the rhetoric from big fund managers is that they are continuing to step up their push on ESG and sustainable investing. Their argument is that this pandemic has laid bare the problems that ignoring ESG factors has for companies. Companies that ignore treating their staff well, ignore the environment or have bad governance are doing worse. And the idea that if ESG can survive this, the worst thing it has had to face in a long time, it can survive, you know, maybe even thrive in more normal times. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, the argument is that ESG has done well because it's grown in popularity during market highs and that it would be dumped the moment markets crashed. And we saw a huge market sell-off in March and we did not see investors dump ESG. If anything, we have saw a lot of big asset managers and big pension funds and big investors double down on pushing companies to act sustainably. Uh, so it feels like it's not going to go away anytime soon. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasek, and we had help from Gavin Kalman and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. 
Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.